Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome on in here to the Blue Note podcast, episode number 18. Uh, it's the Robert Thomas episode here. So, um, you know, your future first line center here and Robert Thomas, he had a breakout season last year with 20 goals, 77 points, secured his eight year contract extension here, just over $8 million per season. So what better person to be able to announce here with episode 18 here than Robert Thomas. Uh, we don't have Ethan Carter here joining us today. He is returning from his brother's bachelor party weekend. So, uh, you know, we decided to give him a little bit of time off, some recovery here, um, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to do my best to remember to, to ask him here how last time are here, how this was going. So um, we are super, super happy here to be joined by Stephen Ground of the Two Guys One Cup podcast. Stephen, how's it going? Going good. How are you doing tonight? It's been a busy weekend, man. Busy, busy yeah. weekend. Feel the yeah. same. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So we are going to be able to get into it. Um, but before we do, just want to be able to thank the listeners. Remind here, everybody, you know, be able to hit the subscribe button here if you can. Just a little plus button, whatever it is here on, uh, whether it be YouTube, Apple, Spotify, you know, wherever that you get your podcasts here at. Um, if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. You know, if we love here, like what we're doing. If not, give us some constructive criticism here. You know, if you don't like what I'm doing. Feel free, you know, shout it on out here. I'll do my best. Uh, give us a comment here again. Just destroy uh, him on Twitter. Please, please, please do. Please <laughs> Light do. Him at, up. Yes, at M underscore Meyer three. Here's my Twitter <laughs> handle. I'll be sure to be able to give it here again a little bit later, but please do. Um, that would have give, been a great time to give Ethan's Twitter handle instead. Oh, man. Oh, see, there it is. Yes. <laughs> yes, please, W, at Ethan Carter SW. Please, 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, if you want to get involved here in the conversation over on Twitter for our show at TBN pod, share the podcast here on social media so that other Blues can, fans can be able to find it here with us as well. But a um, little bit lighter here on some Blues news. So, um, you know, we're just going to be able to jump on into it, a little bit of uh, Central Division discussion um, and just a couple of different NHL discussions here, if you will. So, Ethan. Ethan. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> it's going to be a long episode here already. So Steven, what you been work on here recently, just before we start, you know, really going to get into a lot. Uh, well, I just uh, finished a piece at the hockey writers that was about mm -hmm. how the Blues defense is, is a mess right now and a salary cap hell. And it's, you know, had some people calling me the worst writer in history on Twitter. So I think that's a good sign overall yes. that you yes. probably struck a, a bit of a nerve. Um, that's the main thing I've I've done lately. I've you know I've I've talked a fair amount about this off season. Mm -hmm. um, talked with you and Ethan a lot about the off season. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously there was a flurry of stuff at the start of the month. I'm still pretty unsettled with where the Blues are at, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about. But um, yeah, that's where I've been, and I'm also on uh, Soto Watch as we all are. Oh man, uh, those all of us who are also also. Cardinals fan, which I'm sure is most of us. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting time to see, you know, what kind of moves that both the Blues and Cardinals here are going to potentially make. But um, so let's be able to dive into some hockey. So um, before I really get into it here, um, 
some people who are listening are in St. Louis, from St. Louis, or, you know, have some family back here in St. Louis. So, you know, I just want to be able to touch on here this real briefly. The Blues are doing a 50-50 flood relief, which is awesome. Awesome here of them. Um, so they are auctioning off 50-50 tickets in an effort to send their support for the flood relief around the St. Louis area. Money raised will benefit the United Way's flood relief fund. So from right now until Friday, August the 6th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, go out, purchase your tickets to help support um, here this relief. Tickets are 100, 125 for 50, 50 for 25, 10 for 10 or for three for five. So purchase your tickets by going to stlouisblues.com forward slash 50 50. Um, fans will have the opportunity to win early bird prizes. They didn't say exactly how early early bird prizes is. So, you know, we're just going to keep announcing it here at this point. Um, so you're going to be able to get the chance at the grand prize here of 50% of the total pot or other prizes here, like a Nico Mikula autographed game used stick a pair of Alexei Toropchenko autographed game-used gloves, or a Vladimir Tarasenko autographed game-used stick. So who knows if that potentially is going to be one of his last Blues ones, but, you know, neither here nor there. If that's not enough for you, in addition to the 50-50 raffle, fans can also support the United Way Flood Relief Fund by bidding on an autographed game-used stick's Gloves, as well as other Blues memorabilia from a variety of players, including Brayden Shen, Vladimir Tarasenko, Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, Brandon Saad, and Ryan O'Reilly. So again, go to um, stlouisblues.com forward slash 5050 here for the 5050 tickets or by visiting blues.givesmart.com or texting blues to 76 278. So again, Friday, August 5th at 6 p.m. So Stephen, you're gonna be able to get in on some of this 50-50 stuff? Yeah, I might do that. I was uh I was actually I've obviously moved to uh well, I guess people listening to this don't know that necessarily, but I moved <laughs> to Jacksonville a few months ago to be closer to work. But I was in Indianapolis when the flooding hit and just yeah. you know was down in the hotel room lobby and saw it on the TV. I was pretty shocked. It was pretty it was, uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was wild to see on the weather channel. And so definitely we'll be trying to support in any way I can. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, people in around St. Louis, I and mean, you just can't believe it. You know I mean? It's like, it's, it's July. Like, mm-hmm. What the heck is happening in yeah. July? So yeah, it's, it's wild here at this point. So if you can, again, blues fans, um, do your part, give back, you know, here at this point. So I'm going to be certain to, uh, to at least be able to go get myself here. You know, maybe a uh, a 10 for 10 here at this point. So, all right, let's do a quick trip here around the Central. I got about three teams here I want to be able to touch on. So, um, Chicago. The Blackhawks continue to be there. That That's just it. They're just there. The they team's captain. Exist. Yes. Oh, man. Unfortunately. And, and honestly, as a sports fan, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad here at all as a, as just a person, I feel bad, you know, I mean, just kind of looking at, I mean, like it's just an awful situation of like what they're going through. Um, the team's captain, Jonathan Taves has stated he's sorry. He's slated to become a UFA an unrestricted free agent next July, along with Patrick Kane. And the rebuild is something that he is not wanting to be a part of. 
Mm-hmm. So in an interview on Tuesday with the Athletics' Mark Lazarus, Taze indicated that the Blackhawks' rebuilding process could take about five or so years. Quote, so that part of it doesn't sound appealing to me at all. I can't speak for Patrick Kane, but he is. But I definitely feel that the amount of turnover our team has gone through every single year, these last five or, or sorry, three or four years, that's where it gets really, really, really draining and exhausting. So the question becomes, are both Taves and Kane gone? Are, is, is Kane the only person? Taves seems like he may be a little bit more of a tougher move here, in my opinion. But, I mean, what do you think? Um, I think they're both whiny and annoying, but I also <laughs> think, I mean, Kane, I, Kane will definitely be gone. You can get, yeah. if you retain half salary or, you know, even a quarter salary or something, you can get a lot for Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. um, take a bad contract back, get a first round pick next year's draft and some yeah. young players next year's draft is supposed to be stacked. So mm-hmm. um, I can't like, you know, it's obviously he's got a that's kind of what annoys me is it doesn't seem like they're they're it seems like they're playing both sides of the table and it's like well we don't want to be here but we don't really want to leave and it's like you right. got to pardon the expression but crap or get off the pot you know at yes. some point and, um but i think kane will move uh i i mean jonathan taze has always been extremely overrated he's a very good player i'm not trying mm-hmm. to you know really demean the guy but like he's always never he's never been you know, the, the, the guy that made that team successful or anything. Um, So now that he's older, he's missed a lot of time. Is somebody going to, I'm sure somebody could convince themselves, oh, this is the veteran, you know, this is the rings in the room sort of argument that, yeah, the veteran presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a real Ken Holland move um, (laughs) now that Duncan Keith has retired, but uh, it's that one seems a lot harder to me just because he's not such an obvious um, you know, trade piece that people would want, but Kane, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's gone. And I, I really think if either of them move, they'll both move. I don't, the only situation I see either one saying is, um, is, you know, if they both stay and finish their career there. Well, and it's interesting because I've been seeing a lot of rumors that he could, that Kane could be staying in the central and just going to Dallas, which I don't understand. I mean, unless you are trying to move out a bad contract for a bad contract, you know, and you're moving a guy like a Jamie Ben or something here back to to Chicago or like a Tyler Sagan or anything else, it it doesn't make sense. Like, I, I don't see where and why that they come up with the deal. I'm, I'm sure that they could really come up with a deal that could, I guess, make sense. But I just, I don't see why Dallas would be interested in moving so many of like their young pieces which is more than likely what they would want out for a guy here who is aging on a very expensive contract. You know, I, I just, I don't see it. So um, yeah, I, I could be able to see a Patrick Kane moving a lot sooner than what I could a Jonathan Taves. Taves could be a very, very interesting trade deadline acquisition. You know, like you said, a veteran presence who could be very useful here for a postseason run, a guy who has been there, didn't done that multiple times. So it, it's between now and then, I mean, it's going to be a very, very interesting time for the people who, um, who are potentially looking for that veteran presence. So, yeah. And just one more time, um, you know, Jonathan Taze and Patrick King can get bent. 
I just say that for the record, you know. You would think okay. You so, would think Taves, if he's upset with the rebuild, could just look the other way like he has in the past, but you know, yeah. Um, I guess he's not leaning on experience there. Okay, now I'm done. Please yes. move on. Okay, so let's I think Steven needs a little bit of church in his life. And I think <laughs> I went to church this morning, actually, yes. you know. So <laughs> yes, very good. Well, that's what Jack Johnson did here. He and his three children. Um, he actually had them baptized in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> First of all, I don't care if you're religious or not. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So the initial baptism date was set to actually happen before the playoffs. But things were pushed around and it lined up with um, Johnson's Day with the, the Cup earlier this month. And so, of course, um, why the heck not? <laughs> at this mm. point that's amazing um and you know then of course what does he do afterwards but he goes out for celebratory ice cream with his kids enjoying a giant sundae straight from the bowl of the cup wow yeah. wow that's that's that to me it's just a really fun story here at this point but the bigger question is asked of any thoughts if the baptism will help give them any sort of supernatural athletic abilities? Like, do we just need to keep an eye on what these kids are going to be doing here over the next several years of their life? So, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's going to be it's really cool. Sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but that's, that's no, you're good. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I love the story. I almost didn't include it here, but I I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Were the okay. kids all the same age? Are they triplets, or did he just? I not? don't. They, just... they they didn't. The article didn't state, um, and I didn't really, honestly, feel like doing a lot of Jack Johnson background check here at about twelve thirty at night. Um, so I just did that. So That's here it is. <laughs> you don't want to do the Jack Johnson deep dive? No, I really didn't feel like it. I didn't really feel like it. So, all right, let's head up north here, Pierre Luc Dubois. Earlier this week, PLD attempted to address his trade rumors during a Zoom conference call. He stated that if he wanted out of Winnipeg, he would have asked for a trade and insisted that it never crossed his mind. He also explained that he accepted a one-year qualifying offer with the Jets because he wanted to have more time to examine all factors before committing to a long-term deal. He then also commented on the rumor claiming he attended the first round of the 2022 draft in Montreal in anticipation of a trade to the Canadians. Instead, he stated that his off-season home is 15 minutes from Bell Center and that he was there at an invitation of his bank for a reception that they were holding at one of the arena's suites. So... Do we believe Luke Dubois? Do we just say, okay, we're just going to move on here from this? Is he still one of the top trade bait candidates? This deadline. Does this change anything at this point? I just, I, I never have we made a, a bigger deal about the desires of a more average player than with Pierre Luke yeah. Dubois. I mean, like, he's fine. I think he's good. He's obviously still only 24. He was a top draft pick. But this guy hasn't shown any, like, elite 
game-changing ability. He he's shown that he can probably be a pretty good two C, mm-hmm. which is fine. Every team that wants to compete needs that, but that's just oh, yeah. not that's oh, just yeah. not worth all this pure and hubbub about everything, you yeah. know. And um, obvi- I mean, obviously, he wants to play in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Every French Canadian does, you know. Yeah. I think that the connection between between Quebecers and Montreal is a lot stronger than the connection between um, Ontario Ontarians Ontario. However, people from the Greater Toronto area and wanting to go back to the Leafs because yeah. you know that at least if you're a, a Montreal native, you've seen your team be successful at some point, which Leafs fans never have. So yeah. Um, obviously wants to go back there nobody wants to be in winnipeg so i don't know why we've got to be you know why we've got to really pretend this is some big straight state secret but i could believe i guess that he didn't demand a trade in as many words that doesn't mean that he doesn't want out of winnipeg and that he doesn't want to go to montreal so Mm -hmm. you know i wouldn't probably do it if i was the canadians i think that's just this is one of those times that you're you just make a move because it's in front of you. And I don't know if that's where they are in, in their rebuild or what they really need to do, but you know, wait two years and sign him as a free agent. If he desperately wants to be there, don't pay assets to get him now. But um, you know, I, I'm, I imagine they will. So, you yeah. know, I think we're just kind of pretending that there's another road here when, uh, when uh, there really isn't, you know? Yeah. Well, and at this point here from, from, Pierre Lutebois standpoint he takes the money he is dousing as much you know water on the flames here as he possibly can so he can be able to focus on hockey like you said mm-hmm. I mean, he's only 23 24 years old here at this point he's coming off of a 60 60 point season here in 81 games 28 goals 32 assists over his entire career 239 points in 361 games. So very, very solid still. I mean, again, for for a young player, very, very solid. Take the money, enjoy it, you know, be able to do what you're going to do here at this point and just continue to move on. Like you said, he has one year still left to be able to decide, and that's fine. He just, he has taken the safe route, and I cannot blame him here at all. If he wants to get, try to get moved here at the trade deadline, then he is just going to go to ownership and management and say, look, I want out. I don't want to be a part of this here. And, and bye-bye. That's where I'm going, you know, but if he wants to stick around, great. You know, maybe he and Kyle Connor and them are, you know, they're going to form their own little duo or, you know, whatever. And it's going to be great. But for now, I can't say I blame the guy, give him some time and figure it out, you know, push it down to future you problem. So yeah, not too bad. All right, let's go back home. Talk some blues news. Our favorite guy, Clem Costin. <laughs> Clem Costin here has re-signed a uh, one-year deal, one year, one way. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> he split time between the blues and the AHL Springfield Thunderbirds here last season, 40 games last year. He recorded four goals five assists in Springfield. He posted another three goals, three assists in 17 regular season games, and then another eight points in 18 Calder cup playoff games during the 40 games. It's very, very important for people to realize this in 40 games, 
two of his four goals came during the first game of the season against the Arizona Coyotes on October 18th. 30 games went by until he scored his next game, his next goal on February 10th against the New Jersey Devils. So in the 29 games between those three goals, Costin logged four assists, 22 shots on goal, and averaged nine and a half minutes of ice time each night. So Stephen Graham, based on the Blues' current lineup and chances of seeing an increased amount of ice time, what does Costin need to do to be successful and earned a continued chance each night? I just think he needs to, you know, this is uncharacteristic of me to say this because I think it's actually not true of the modern game a lot of times, but he needs to really use his size and his physicality Mm -hmm. um, and consistently be that four checker and that gritty person to play against. He really, what he should do is is look at what uh, Alexei Toropchenko has done and mm-hmm. just model a lot of his game after that because, you know, Torpchenko, obviously the injury is a setback, but he looks, you know, set to be an NHL player for, for a good while, even if he mm-hmm. stays in the bottom six, like those mm-hmm. are valuable players. And um, Costin, you know, didn't pan out for him to be a potential superstar. I don't, I think that ship has sailed. Um yes. And uh, I'm honestly a little surprised that we resigned him. I thought he might just end up staying in Russia and playing in the KHL somewhere. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would love to see it work for him. I'd love to see him find a role. I think he could still be a middle six guy and a, a good winger who can yeah, score a fair amount. But um, it's kind of on him, I think, to put the work in and, and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've talked to a couple of different people here about this. And, you know, we've had some Twitter discussion here about him here as well. The, the guy's got talent. He really does, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he, you see flashes of it. But, boy, I don't know if it's just either his age, his ability to fully get it and, and get over that hump here at the NHL level or, or what it is. But I, I don't know if he's going to be that offensive forward that people pegged him to be in the NHL. He may, like you said, he may just need to be a grinded out player who can be able to play a very, very solid physical defensive game in a bottom six role. You know, and yeah. some of the argument was, you know, okay, well, he needs to be given the opportunity. He needs to be given it consistently. He needs, I'm sorry, I'm paying way too many guys here way too much money to be giving a player here like Clem Costin, who is struggling more ice time than some of these other guys that I know who can be able to put games games on their backs. It's it, it, I'm sorry. Sure. I'm just not, I'm just not going to, I'm just he's not, had, you know, he's had a chance. You, you have mm-hmm. 48 NHL games that you can't argue that he's never really gotten a look. I don't think Barubi's a good coach for him, you know, cause it's pretty obvious Barubi doesn't really like what he brings to the game and hasn't really used him in a better way, but that's, yeah, how it happens sometimes and you know if 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 Costin had forced him to use him then he'd have used him but mm-hmm. you know not everybody works out 
as a top level NHL player and or even a bottom level NHL player. And right. you know, that might be where we are with him. Right. And maybe he could fit out. I mean, if you do look at it, and this is a very, very blanket statement to be able to make this, the West is a little bit more tight checking, heavy hitting kind of a game. Whereas the East, I see a lot more finesse. So maybe he could fit in a little bit more with some of the East Coast teams. And again, that may just be a complete oversimplification here of the game. And, you know, Mike just doesn't watch enough East Coast games and he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, but that's just the way that I just call it as I see it. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe Clint Costin just does a better job of playing with the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, who 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 the heck knows? So Costin, I think, will be in the on the opening night roster. I don't think he's going to be slated in the opening lineup. Mm-hmm. At this point, um, because he's going to have he's he's going to have some competition here. And especially from a guy who we're going to bring up next here is uh, Jake Neighbors. I uh, so prospect camp ended here on July 14th. He is a player in Jake Neighbors that is pushing for a spot in the opening lineup this year. He impressed during camp. Plain and simple. You know, I don't know if you got to be able to catch much here of it or any clips, anything like that. Neighbors look good. Plain mm-hmm. and simple. He was catching a lot of fate, you know, a lot of eyes. Um, for fans who don't know, Jake Neighbors here appeared in nine games last season before he was sent back down to the WHL with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Before he was sent back, he was told by the Blues, go in, have a good season, and win a championship. Well, as team captain, he did just that. And so now he is ready, hungry to compete, and ready for a full season in the NHL. So, Stephen, does Jake Neighbors make the opening night lineup? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think it definitely will. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I think he wanted to, I think he was right on the cusp last time. Uh, last season and just we had two staffed in a forward group I think if we mm-hmm. were a team that was rebuilding in any way or like at all not trying to compete at the highest level he would have been here last year um, but I think this year he'd almost have to lose it more than he has to gain it um, so and that's can, a testament I, to him I, for sure pause? yeah please. so so right there so that for me if I'm a rebuilding team and I have a high prospect like Jake Neighbors. I don't know if I have him in the NHL at this point. Yeah. Last last season, because I may have almost had the exact same mentality as what they said: in go in, go have a good season, and win a championship. Versus stay here, play some NHL games, you know, get the motions and and build a you know maybe have some veteran experience, you know, and and some mentorship here from some of these guys but maybe not have as high of ice time and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Me personally, I'd want the winning attitude to continue to flow through this kid as opposed to throwing him here to the wolves at some of these NHL games, you know, like a Colorado, even up against like a Dallas or, or anybody else. And again, me personally, I sent him back to the WHL and I said, just continue to marinate. We are not ready for you. There's no rusher for you at all. So that's maybe that's just me. I'd rather just have my my guys just like marinate. When you get here, you get here, but I do not want to rush you at all. Mm-hmm. I get that for sure, um, and I think that's a good point. But 
I think he it's, you know, last year I think worked out great for him because he did get to play at the highest level and win the championship. But there definitely is, especially at that 19 year old age, there definitely is that cliff where you're just not getting anything from being in juniors anymore. Yes. And you don't have any other option. You know, we saw that with Robert Thomas, I think was a great example. We didn't, if we had a a choice to send him elsewhere, we might have that year. Mm -hmm. Um, He certainly was a player that took most of the season to kind of mature into somebody who looked comfortable in the NHL. But um, then he helped win a Stanley cup by the end of it. You know, so um, yep. I don't think I, I don't know what the blues are doing, you know, this year, honestly, we, we haven't really touched on it, but with the off season unfolding the way it has, it, it really looks like they've take to, taken a step back, mm-hmm. but not in the way that you would do, in my opinion, if you were like trying to take a step back so that you could be better in two or three years. Yeah, because the Letty extension doesn't fit that and and not trading Tarasenko doesn't fit that. So um, maybe they're really sky high on neighbors or maybe they just, you know, felt like they were handcuffed. Obviously, they wanted Kachuk and that didn't happen. But, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I really do think neighbors will be in the lineup, um, at least at the start of the season. And then if he needs to go to the AHL now, he can and spend some time down there. Yeah. Um, well, and he's going to need something need... to be excited about too. So that's also a yeah. thing to rally around and, and be hyped for. Yeah. Well, and the same thing goes from last season, you know, he does not need bottom six, you know, fourth line kind of minutes. You know, this is a guy who definitely needs his time. And I even say, I mean, get him in on, on the second power play unit, just see what happens. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that the blues could be hurt from having him here on the second power play unit. I mean, even if it's just intermittently throwing him out there and just seeing what happens, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would be throwing him in, especially during training camp. I'd be throwing him in and trying to mix and match every single scenario that I possibly could. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, and it's a young guy and I'm sure that that's what they're going to end up um, doing here at this point. And we'll really just be able to see what happens. So let's do it. Okay, so you were mentioning here as well that the Blues have about, I don't know, how many different moves necessarily that they probably need to make versus want to make here as well. You know, I'm looking at their cap-friendly page. They've got 22 of 23 players here listed for their roster size, and that's going to still include Alexei Toropchenko. He's going to be going on IR here as well with that off-season shoulder surgery. They currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards. I'm not counting Perunovic because they don't have him listed up here. So they'll have about eight defensemen here still left. So somebody's got to go. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Blues defense is the only piece that's going to be addressed? Is there anything else that they need to do here at this point before I mean... opening night? <sighs> I, I, you know, I've tried not to go too long on this, but the whole thing just strikes me as a mess right now. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard for me to say, oh, they need to do this or that because I don't understand what they have done. Yeah. And I don't understand what their plans are. You know, I think I honestly think at this point that they went into the I don't even want to say this because it's too conspiracy theory ish, but I feel feel like 
they really thought they had the upper hand in the contract negotiations and mm-hmm. then they couldn't make it happen. But if you believe the Elliott Friedman report from 31 or 32 thoughts earlier this week, he basically said that um, he kind of, he didn't really disagree with JR's report that we offered Scandell and Tarasenko, but he said that it was more a situation where we felt like we had to offload both of those players mm-hmm. to make a contract deal happen. Um, and we weren't able to do that in the time that the flames um had you know available to them but i don't really buy that because we've needed to offload scandela for 18 months mm-hmm. and we've known that tarasenko has wanted to trade for a year plus and yeah you know it's just it's a little frustrating uh, and listen doug armstrong has been a phenomenal gm i'm not trying to say he's suddenly terrible at his job but it does seem like maybe he misplayed his hand a little this summer um and I, de- I mean, they have they have to clear a contract from mm-hmm. from defense. This, this is what I just wrote about. But their con- their salary cap situation on defense is absurd. It is ridiculous, and the fact that they're fourth from the bottom in expected goals against is honestly embarrassing. I mean, it's so it's yeah. so bad, and it's no wonder that Jordan Bennington wasn't strong last season. If you're fourth from the bottom on expected goals against, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to bring Letty in and let Perron walk and not move Scandella or Krug or someone or both or multiple someones, it's just like, it just seems like there isn't a plan here. And, you know, it could be that situation where one or two moves happen in quick succession. And then suddenly it's like, oh, there's been a plan all along, you know, maybe Lula Morello wants um Vladimir Tarasenko and he's doing his Lula Morello thing where he's just not going to make the move until September so that he messes with the media which is the dumbest thing that's ever happened but you know just watch there's a trade that's actually been happening um and it probably has happened about a month ago it's just that he just wants to keep it quiet like you said until yeah. September <laughs> well he did he literally did that last year with um Kyle Zach Parise and yeah. And Kyle and Zach Parisi. Yeah. And it's like you could see that happening again, but like um yeah, anyway, it's just I don't know what's going on. Uh but it I really would like to see some kind of plan materialize because right now it, it's pretty bleak to me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, right now, and we've mentioned this here before, you know, the left side has got to be addressed, you know, between Tori Krug. Nick Letty, Marco Scandella, Nico Mikola, and Scott Perunovic, all being left side defensemen, you've got to make a move, you know, and I don't know if it's just going to absolutely come at the expense of Marco Scandella or a guy like here, Nico Mikola. Obviously, Scandella is like if the player that you would prefer to move simply due to his contract status. Mikola here is a little bit younger, you know, he plays, a, I think, a better overall game here than um, Scandella does here at this point, but somebody's got to be moved, and if it's Marco Scandella, I feel like it's going to need to be paired along with a decent pick or prospect or somebody else that, mm-hmm. you know, can kind of dangle the characters a little bit, because I would not be surprised if there's a team that's out there that's that nobody is saying, we want Marco Scandella. I mean, at this point, why would you want him? Yeah, nobody wants him. They just might take him to give up the, you know, if you give up the assets. Right. Yeah. And I think that the Blues run here with Marco Scandella, 
before Doug Armstrong acquired him, I'm sure that there were still multiple teams that were at least intrigued at Scandella. You know, maybe if we bring him into the system, you know, maybe he wasn't as, maybe he was, you know, and and it was still kind of that maybe somewhat shiny toy. Maybe he could have, maybe he could, you know, and you just don't really know. But then when he comes into a system like the Blues, who is a little bit more known for their defensive abilities and, um, you know, just, just really good defensive system and defensive coaching, and he still isn't the best. Well, now I'm looking back at it and saying, well, crap, I don't think I want this guy. You know, and he said, how much money? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you want to be able to give me somebody else in along with him? Maybe I can be willing to take him on. And, and unfortunately, I think that's the situation the Blues might find themselves in mm-hmm. in order to rid themselves here of it. And I'm sure yeah. Doug Armstrong is trying to find any single way possible to not have that happen. Well, they have 23.5 million committed through 2025-26 for four seasons to a defense that once again was fourth from the bottom and expected goals against last season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not acceptable. And yeah. you've got to find some way of fixing that, whatever. You know, if you have to pay assets, fine, pay assets. You have to fix that because it's one thing to say you shifted to an offensive focus. And I think we clearly have, although again, that makes letting go of Perron make less sense, but, Mm -hmm. um, but you, you can't have no defense and you certainly can't have a defense that both sucks and is expensive, you know? So um, you can maybe survive with one or the other, but you can't have both. So, um, right. We need the cap to go up and we need at least one or two of those bodies to be cleared out and get some people in here who are actually going to make an impact and, and be better defenders. And, you know, then we'll be in a lot better shape. Right. So it's funny that you mentioned the salary cap because I have one more topic here that I want to adjust here before we head out. It's a little bit more of a uh, pick your brain use your brain, put on your finance cap, you know, let's just try and see here what happens. So um, the, how am I trying to phrase this even here at this point? Mm -hmm. So boy. Okay. So the NHL, as we all know, has a salary cap and a salary floor. Each team must stay within these two numbers to remain cap compliant throughout the season. However, what seems to play a larger role than some fans here may realize comes in the form of income tax. Since the start of the salary cap era, it's become a number of times that may need to be an adjustment. I don't know. You know, Teams have been looking here at this and realizing and finding themselves here to be either ahead or behind the eight ball simply due to the state income tax that either is or is not required to be paid here by players. I have no concrete evidence here whatsoever that says that players want and do not want to go to teams with a higher salary cap, I'm sorry, higher income tax rate or a lower income tax rate. But it's been rumored here a couple of different times that you know, if a player has a modified no trade clause, 10 teams, 15 teams here, whatever, they'll look at their agent and say, okay, 
start at the highest and work your way back. And however many teams it gets me is however many teams it gets me. And those are the teams that I don't want to go to. For all those who are not watching the video, Stephen, <laughs> that was a weird bottle nose. Sorry. <laughs> so I was um, hoping that didn't get picked up. My apologies. <laughs> okay. So here we go. This is just what happens. That's all good. Yeah. Okay. So clearly he is bored here of my salary cap roundabout <laughs> question. <laughs> so, okay. Um, let's start going to real life examples. Matthew Kachuk. He goes and signs here, well, technically signs, with the Florida Panthers, $9 million. The Panthers have an estimated effective tax rate of 39.23%, which means he is paying just over $3.5 million in state and federal income tax each season. And, you know, of course, any sort of amount due to escrow, agent fees, you know, whatever, whatever here at this point. So... Instead of $9 million, he has an estimated take-home here of $5.4 million. You following me? Practically impoverished, but yes, go on. Okay, there you go. There you (laughs) go. Okay, so had he signed in St. Louis, the tax rate would have increased by about 6.5% to a total of 45.5% or nearly $570,000 of a pay cut each season. Over eight seasons, would have amounted to anywhere from four and a half to five million dollars. Okay. Maybe a lot, maybe a little bit, you know, whatever. I look at four and a half to five million dollars and I said, mm, I want to keep my four and a half to five million dollars. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. So when looking at a very simplified version of the salary cap and the income tax calculator here, thank you very much, cap friendly. The average Income tax rate over the league is 46.31%, where 15 teams are below and 17 teams are above. So, does this warrant an adjustment to be made to the salary cap? And if so, what do you do? Am I am, am I way off my rocker here? And just saying, you know what, this is just how it's been, and we're just going to keep moving along here with it. Or are we finally going to start realizing that the salary cap and the income tax from the state level go very well hand in hand here with one another and are very restricting, and it's it's got to be dealt with? Um, I don't think you're off your rocker necessarily. I also, however, don't know what you would do about it or really if you should do about it. There are things about it. There are other factors as well at play. You know, compare the cost of living in St. Louis to the cost of living in the Miami area and how much well, those sure. two balance out. You know, it's well, so. Sure. And that's not going to be true across the board with the high tax, low tax states, but going to be more expensive to live in Las Vegas, probably going to be more expensive to live in Nashville, you know, that sort of thing. Well, Um, so here's, so here's the very funny thing. So let's look at one of the lowest tax rates. 39.21% belongs to the Nashville predators, mm -hmm. which like you said, has a very high cost of living. Yeah. So not only am I paying to live in Nashville, but I'm paying to, you know, paying out the wazoo, but I'm mm-hmm. getting the low 
text. So I, I don't know. It's it's just interesting to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to think about how it all balances out. I think um, if you can find a good way to do it, then that could be great. But I think it's, it's just going to, the way people already manipulate the salary cap and trade for dead contracts and do different games like that. I think giving people a leg up to, you know, giving a team like, um, Toronto, let's say 95 million or 90 million in salary cap mm-hmm. because because they have supposedly have so much higher taxes. Mm-hmm. Also, just get, you know, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to take top dollar to sign there, or, you know, right XYZ. So I think it'd be really hard to strike a balance that really helped even the playing field rather than hurt the playing yeah. field, you know. And I think another thing to keep in mind here is. Florida is a really good team. Tampa is a really good team. Vegas is a really mm-hmm. good team. Nashville is a really good is a pretty good team. I wouldn't say really good, but they have been pretty good most of the time lately. You know, I don't know if we're going to see if you know eight years ago Matthew Kachuk wouldn't have signed with the Florida Panthers. You know, uh, leaving aside the fact that he would have been like fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Like he wouldn't mm-hmm. have tra- accepted a trade to the Florida Panthers because he would have been in a miserable. A hellish team with no because you didn't want to go to the florida stuff. panthers yeah yeah so you know we we talk a lot about the tax thing and it definitely is a thing like i think it's silly to pretend it's not right. but i think it's one factor in a set of many factors and it's hard to isolate that one and fix it without affecting other ones you know right right yeah i'm I'm looking at this and, you know, I mean, again, I don't know all of the complete ins and outs and and pretend to be an expert here with this. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting subject to be able to consider here at this point, because, you know, you look at several different, even um, European soccer leagues and who have a salary cap and they'll say, okay, well, XYZ player signed for however many million pounds or, you know, doll, you know, euros, whatever that they're, um, you know, form of currency here is here like with the league, but then take away the the percentage here of taxes. Then from there, they say, okay, that real number here afterwards, that's how much that their cap hit is. So that to me would be an interesting form here as well. Yeah. Taking their actual income versus their, their, before tax rate you know taking the net income versus you know and and so i don't know i mean that's that's not a perfect system but it's one that has me hmm interesting i wonder what that what the repercussions and the ripple effect of something like that would end up being you know because i mean again for a guy here like matthew kachuk you know there are 28 markets that he would be taking a hit here versus his income three teams are something that he would potentially be gaining money here off of you know now one of them here being the tampa bay lightning and i guess that it's you know simply just a very small little bit of like an adjustment here i mean they're saying he could be able to earn about 65 dollars. so okay (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) it's not anything here at all you know but you know taking into consideration here dallas and nashville you know, he could be earning here anywhere close to like $2,000 here per month. I'm sorry, per year here at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing really to, to it's, it's literal pennies 
here at that point for him. So I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting topic. You know, it's one that I would like to have Ethan um, weigh in on here. If he goes back and wants to listen to his episode that he missed (laughs) here at this point, you know, Um, but if it's something that fans have an interest in, feel free, you know I mean? Again, give us a comment, you know, shoot us a message on over. And again, but let's say how far I'm off my rocker or, um, you know, whether or not that, it's something that needs to be addressed and come up with some interesting solutions. So I'm very, very curious. So, all right, let's get ready to get down out of here. Steven, do you have any last little bit of uh, tidbit news information, anything like that you want to be able to give fans, media shout out, anything like that? Nothing really, you know, nothing really too strong. You can always follow us at uh, two guys at two guys, one cup, all spelled out in letters on Twitter um, and, and get our high drinks over there. Um, you know, I will be uh, posting daily previews for the world junior championships that are restarting here on the 9th of August. So if you uh, want to get into the world juniors, but have no idea what's really going on, you can, you know, um, why they're in the summer. And yeah, well, that's another <laughs> issue altogether but um yeah you can read those but no it's pretty chill middle of summer and hockey is usually a pretty quiet time so yep yep absolutely so all right well thanks so much here for joining i greatly greatly appreciate you know the very quick pivot on over from guest to co-host here at this point so um you know again greatly appreciate you so go on um go on out to the hockey writers follow Stephen ground's articles his comments you know we'll be able to give him a retweet or um, you know, any sort of hate mail or anything else there that you're able to, <laughs> to fill his DMs with. So um, again, it, all before. Yes. Yes. And we will continue to, uh, to, to hear all that stuff here all the time. So uh, if you want to, be able to hear more about what I'm talking about, feel free to be able to find me here on Twitter as well at M underscore Meyer three. Um, again, follow the podcast Twitter handle over at TBN pod. And uh, again, just join in the conversation and let's have some fun here. So, all right. Thanks so much here for joining on up and we will see you here next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.